If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Let me tell you a little bit about Bet Online. It remains your number one spot for NBA, MLB, MMA, boxing. It doesn't matter. Every single prop, every single play, every single point, it's all at Bet Online. When it comes to bets, when it comes to props, everything that you need is at your headquarters for sports betting. That's Bet Online. Head to the website right now, use your mobile device, sign up, get a 50, that's 50% welcome bonus. Don't forget to use the promo code BLEAV, that's believe, to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus. Come on, there's no need to hesitate. Bet online where the game starts. I hope you're ready to have your mind blown with the greatest health and fitness information on the planet. <laughs> Hello. Hello, my name is Michael D. Catherwood, and I'm the host of Mikey Likes You. I'm the Mikey who likes. You're you who is liked. Amazing system. All right, so any of you who know anything about me and my techniques know that I'm usually a big proponent of higher, higher intensity training with a lower frequency. I really think that Unnecessary volume is the bane of most people's existence. They think that if they're going to make this big change in their life, they got to train all day, every day, hours and hours and hours upon end. And you end up doing a lot of kind of mediocre focus, mediocre intensity volume that is unnecessary. And it kind of puts you in that continued cycle of not getting the gains that you want to get, not getting the um, results that you want to get. Three days a week is pretty ideal for most people to train with resistance training and train hard. And I stand by that, and I believe it. The problem is is that for most people, regular people with real lives, families, jobs, you know, you're a student on top of it, and you have relationships and social networks and whatnot, Some of these workouts that are going to be three days a week are so unbelievably brutal and necessary. They they kind of need to be in order to make them effective, in order to make that level of that, that small dosage of work become effective and to really get the adaptations that you need. 
And so you run into this problem where like, okay, I'm only spending three days in the gym, which opens up a lot of time for me to live my life, right? So that life won't get in the way of my, my goals. But what you're doing in that gym can kind of take away from what you're doing in your life because it, it is so demanding. Not only is it just like you're sore and you're tired from training, but you kind of the mental stress of going in knowing that you have a lower body day. If you're training three, four days a week and you're like, you know, two of those days are going to be like a back or a lower body day and you have some squats or maybe a hinge movement and you're going to go heavy and you're going to go hard and you're going to push yourself and you're going to try to beat the logbook. All of these things are fantastic. All of these things are meaningful and important. But all of these things make you stressed out and it takes a lot of time to warm up. And sometimes, you know, what is on paper, a 45-minute workout because of extended rest periods, because of needed warm-up, because of needed cool-down, all you know, you're looking at an hour and a half. And with a drive to work for some people or if you're trying to, excuse me, with a drive to the gym for a lot of people, and the preparation and you're getting off work or you're trying to do it before work, like this is where I see people encounter problems with the type of training that I like to encourage people to do. So what are your options? It's not train less hard. It's management of fatigue, management of output, and spreading things out over a more high-frequency training routine. Um, I don't have any problem with high-frequency training. I like to engage in high-frequency training. I am a really neurotic person. I'm a type A personality that has become, you know, for lack of a better word, addicted to training. Um, And I've started, again, for, you know, I have phases in my life where I take different combat sports really seriously. And right now I'm, I'm really committed to grappling with wrestling and jujitsu training sessions, you know, five times a week. Oftentimes, on top of that, I'm trying to do my strength and conditioning. And, you know, it's a lot more manageable and realistic for me to have sometimes two-a-day training where it's really small but really effective, really focused. Um, So, you know, you're looking at 12 training sessions a week just with strength and conditioning. But only about four of those are really intense. So what are the other training sessions? They are recovery-based. Now, we've talked about management of recovery and truly understanding recovery. There is movement that encourages recovery. There is movement that encourages adaptation. The movement that encourages adaptation is at an intensity that it can't be done too frequently. In fact, it's very easy to overdo it. The movement that encourages recovery is going to make you better at doing the movements that encourage adaptation. So let's go from the beginning and like oversimplify things. If you're going to train very frequently, six times a week or more, sometimes twice a day for six days a week, as opposed to the three or four days a week where outside of that, you're just encouraging recovery. If you're going to train that frequently, you have to manage the amount of those training sessions, which are going to be hard. Okay. Look at it like, um, like, like cheat meals, right? If we're looking at, at, uh, you eat three times a day, let's say that's 21 meals a week. 
most anyone with any kind of knowledge, unless you're training for some type of, or preparing for some type of like contest, physique contest, most people would say, look, if 18, 19 of those are good, you have the two or three that are going to be, you know, your pizza and your burgers so that you can stay sane and you can enjoy your life, right? Well, the same thing goes for training. If you're training 12 times a week, that's two, let's say two 20-minute sessions a day, which is a really good clip. Four or five of those are going to be heavy focused resistance training or like interval training, sprints, things like that. The rest are going to be kind of jog, walk, walk jogs, rucking, um, body weight movements, or resistance training purposefully done at a lighter weight and a lighter intensity. Now, you may be thinking, well, what's the point of that? You already talked about how meaningless volume is what kills most people's gains and is preventing people from getting where they want to go. This is true. But if I take my, you know, the two exercises that I really put a lot of emphasis on for me are the overhead press and the front squat right now. It, it varies. But right now I'm really pushing those two, two exercises, okay? Well, once a week I'm front squatting for seven, five, three reps incredible amounts of weight, trying to really live on that edge of failure and just going balls to the wall. But two, maybe three times a week, I am to using 50, 40% of that weight that I'm using for my heavy uh, workout. And I'm doing 10 reps, 15 reps, and I'm really focusing on my form and exaggerating the range of motion. What is this doing? Well, it's light enough and it's less it's it's below an intensity threshold that it's not going to break down my muscle tissue and pull away from my central nervous system but it's encouraging that ability for me to make those adaptations with the quality of the movement and it's making me a better front squatter there's more circulation going into the muscles being trained there's kind of more fluids and nutrients going into the muscles being trained that connective tissue is getting practice at going into those positions at extended ranges of motion, getting stronger without the taxation of 315 pounds, right? You know, doing it with 145 pounds and, and really like taking my time to focus on different parts of the range of motion and having the weight be light enough that I can really pimp the form, you know, and I don't have to focus on the weight. There's that element of danger that comes with lifting heavy, which is one of the better kind of cool aspects about it. But if I don't have to worry about that element of danger, I can really focus on just like feeling my quad muscles, keeping my torso upright, getting that deep range of motion, maybe pausing in the bottom, okay? And I do the same thing with the overhead press. There's, there's training sessions in my week, maybe usually actually just one training session during the week where I'm pushing 185 pounds plus and I'm going two, three reps with the overhead press, which is like, that's like big weight for me. I've never, you know, maybe when I was in, juicing, but big weight for me in the overhead press. I'm only 179 pounds. Um, but there's two, maybe three other training sessions, very short. They're very low intensity, but I'm just practicing the movement, getting in the bottom, you know, putting my head through the hole at the top, getting that full range of motion. And I'm practicing with incredibly light weights. Okay. And sometimes I'll do incredibly light weights and just work on speed, just getting the bar to move incredibly quickly, you know, Developing power, that's a, an aspect of strength that a lot of people overlook. You know, the conjugate method, which is made famous first in the Soviet Union and then Louis Simmons at Westside Barbell, 
it's like the most thoroughly respected form of strength training when it comes to developing high levels of strength. And the conjugate method, just simply broken down, is you have one day of maximal effort or heavy weights, you know, high intensity, and one day of dynamic effort, low, low weights, just moving the bar really quickly. Um, and, and it's kind of weird. You'll see these powerlifters who are doing, you know, 850-pound squats, and on their dynamic effort day, they're using like 225, and they're just going super fast. That's giving you another aspect on that spectrum of what it is to be a powerful athlete, and you're training that, but it doesn't really damage your system in any way. So you're looking at movement that encourages recovery as opposed opposed to takes away from it. You need those training sessions. You need those training sessions that are going to take away from your recovery. Those are where adaptations happen. But you can add in other training sessions that aren't as taxing to your skeletal musculoskeletal system and to your central nervous system that are going to encourage recovery and actually make it easier for you to um, make progress when it comes to putting in the high effort. Also, you're looking at you know, cardiovascular activity. Um, it's, a, it's a love-hate relationship when it comes to cardio with me because I think most people, their overall goal is to lose body fat and to look better. So many people have this misconception that they need to then double down on the amount of cardio they're doing and they make a big mistake because now you're hormonally kind of screwed and it actually makes it harder for you to have that body that you want. But that doesn't mean that things like incline walking or hiking or just basic kind of movement, really slow jogging mixed with walking, you can do that every day and in fact it's going to actually help your gains. You just have to understand that even with with cardio and with with resistance training, there's a form of movement that's going to be kicking your butt, and there's a form of movement that's going to actually encourage your ability to not get your butt kicked. If you try to mix the two and you do too much of a middle ground between the two, it's just going to end up shooting you in the foot. So, you know, for instance, I will give you a, a clear breakdown of what I do in a week so that you can get an idea of how you can incorporate high frequency training. But one of the big factors you have to understand is you have to have self-awareness and be truly honest with yourself. Like what is your work capacity at this moment? What is your age? What is your training history? What is your level of experience with all the movements that you're doing, okay? If you're an abject beginner, high frequency training might be three, four days a week. If you're someone who's been putting in consistent time for over a couple years, you have a really thorough understanding of resistance training movements and with uh, conditioning movements, you'll have a little bit better of understanding of how much you can really do, okay? But if you're doing, let's say, six days a week, one training session per day, it's okay for them to be 20, 30 minutes a piece, okay? You can split your body up into two parts, Lower body, upper body, it's a very common one. And then train lower body, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, upper body, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And each of those workouts can be 20 minutes. You know, if you choose your exercises wisely and you're training with focus, um, and don't be afraid to kind of shuffle up. There's going to be maybe high rep, lighter weight days, and there's going to be those days when you're just going to go balls to the wall. 
and you're going to monitor the amount of weight you're using and try to increase that as you're going. And, and it's going to take, it may be 20, 30 minutes, but it's a brutal one, right? The other 20, 30 minutes, you could be focusing on form, encouraging recovery, and getting better at those movements. That way you can train your body three days a week, each body part three days a week, um, training six full days, getting that one rest day. Um, that's a great way to do it. You can also do full body training with, you know, cardio on three days a week. So three days of full body, three days of, of conditioning. Uh, flip-flopping back and forth between like an aerobic level movement for 45 minutes, incline walking, uh, you know, biking at a conversational pace where you can b- breathe nasally, heart rate 120, 130, depending on your level of fitness. But then you can have one or maybe two days a week where you run sprints, where you do rowing intervals, where you, are, you can't breathe because you're pushing your heart rate into that max heart rate level, 90% and above. That can't be every time you train. That can't be. But if half of your cardio sessions are, you know, a 45-minute walk, uh, that's awesome. And you can do that a lot, even if you're out of shape. Us humans are really good at that, at really good at adapting to that. Us humans are really good at adapting at that lower-intensity stuff. If you really analyze this animal, the Homo sapien... We're not, that, we're not that fast, and we're not that strong. Even if you take an Usain Bolt, if you compare us to a lot of other mammals, it's not, we're not like the fastest thing out there. Um, we're not very strong in comparison to chimpanzees, and, you know, any other primate. We're certainly not great swimmers in comparison to most any other aquatic animal. But you want to talk about endurance? We're pretty darn good. We can go and go and go and go, especially if you're just talking about walking. Even a barefoot, regular average person can, uh, can hang with most animals because we have that in us. That's kind of what we were designed to do as far as this animal. Every once in a while, you got to chase down that animal, you know, to, to kill it, to feed your family. Every once in a while, you got to run away from an animal so you don't get killed so that tiger doesn't try to feed its family. But we're, but on a moment-to-moment basis, all day throughout the day, we're pretty good at dealing with the stress of low-level movements. And that's why I encourage people to always like shoot for the steps because it may not be optimal, but it's a great way to kind of just keep an easy tab on what you're doing, okay? If you're just walking a lot and staying on your feet a lot, it's going to be good for your health and it's going to encourage positive, positive, um, a positive response, both internally and externally, okay? So just take into consideration, there are three things you have to really look at when you're talking about high-frequency training. And when I say high-frequency, I mean high-frequency right now on top of combat sports training, on top of grappling, actual, you know, hitting the mats, I'm training twice a day on top of that, okay? Uh, How do I do that and not pull my hair out and not go crazy and not get burnt out is that I can honestly say to you there's two resistance training sessions I'm doing six a week. There's two of them that are really putting me, like, like really take something, you know, where I, I would be, like, thinking about the pre-workout, you know, where it's like, what do we do? Ooh, some heavy squats here, you know, or some deadlifts, whatever it is, okay? That, there's about two of those six. Out of the six conditioning or, or a more cardiovascular-based workouts I'm doing, there's two or th- maybe three that are really 
taxing me. The rest are getting on that C2 rower and going for 5,000 kilometers at, a, at, a, at an easy pace. 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minute incline walks, morning, my morning movement here on the farm. Get out, let all the dogs out, not just the outdoor dogs that live outside. Get the indoor dogs out and we just go and just go. And sometimes I'll jog for a minute here, but really slow. I'll walk for a minute, circle my arms, get myself warmed up with my shirt off. I'm getting the sunlight. That is technically a workout. I'm getting my heart rate elevated above what homeostasis would be. But I'm not in any way compromising my recovery. In fact, with my shirt off out there, staying at that kind of 110, 120 heart rate, beats per minute heart rate, I'm encouraging recovery. It helps my gains. You know, for all you meatheads out there who are scared about it. So the, understand you have to regulate output. The three things that are important when it comes to high frequency training. Regulate your output meaning know how much you can go hard, how much you can go total. Regulate your output. Number two, regulate fatigue. Have an understanding of if you're going to be training that frequently, how much is this taking away from me being able to live my life? There are gonna be workouts that make you feel better when you leave the gym, but you gotta know there's gonna be those workouts that make you feel like you got hit by a truck when you're leaving the gym. You have to completely regulate the total amount of workouts you're doing, the amount of hit by a truck, and the amount of feel great, feel more energized when I leave, okay? So you have to regulate output, regulate fatigue, regulate recovery, regulate what happens in between those high-frequency training sessions, regardless if they're the hit by a truck or they are the uh, the I feel better, I feel energized when I leave the gym or I, when I get done, when I'm taking off my, my running shoes, okay? So that is done by looking at all the things that are happening in between. If you know you're training twice a day, after the morning exercise session, if it's a particularly hard one and you're feeling that level of recovery be compromised, you probably shouldn't then go do squats a couple hours later. You probably shouldn't have the big meeting at work a couple days. That shouldn't be the day that your three kids have a play date coming over. You know what I'm saying? Just know that the other workout in that day might have to end up being a, a, a walk, a 20-minute walk or something like that some stretching mobility stuff. Work on your posture, okay? You gotta understand, regulating your output, obviously it seems kinda intuitive. How much am I training and how hard am I training? Regulating your fatigue also seems pretty you know, intuitive. But regulating your recovery isn't. Take into consideration what is happening between those training sessions irrespective of the output and the recovery, what is happening in between and how can I fit these pieces? If this is particularly demanding, maybe I shouldn't do something else particularly demanding anywhere close to it. If this is particularly demanding and I know I have a particularly demanding day outside of my fitness endeavors, if this is a, my hardest work day, if you're an electrician and it's in here in Texas and it's summer, this may not be the time to be training high frequency at all, 
Okay, you regulate and understand, be aware, be cognizant of what's happening outside of your training because that is what is gonna be compromising your recovery more than anything. I didn't sleep last night. You know, I had to get this report in to, to my boss. Oh, he's such a jerk. And I slept two hours. Okay, you know what? My whole plan schedule of training has to be changed. That is what comes with regulating recovery. Right? For you ladies, here's another one that I think oftentimes it's overlooked. Hey, Aunt Flo came to visit. <laughs> it's that time of the month. Probably, I know I had sprint, uh, sprint workout trained today, and I'm going to do intense lower body workout tomorrow. Uh, you know what? I, I think that might need to be pushed to later in the week when I feel a little bit wetter, when I'm not so when I'm not so fatigued, when I'm not so bloated, when I'm not so blah, 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 you know, all the things that can happen when you are visited by and flow, okay? All these things that you need to take into consideration that happen in between your training sessions, which are you regulating and being in control of your recovery. Regulate your output, regulate your fatigue, regulate your recovery. That is going to be the keys uh, to success when it comes to higher frequency training. Because even though Overall, I always encourage a more high-intensity, low-frequency approach. There are times and places where that isn't really optimal. And I have no problem with you training every single day, twice a day sometimes. Uh, that's not really a problem if you take into consideration all the factors that need to go into making that type of training successful and optimal, okay? In this crazy mixed-up world that makes you think that nobody cares. Oh, wait, ooh! Before I let you go, thank you to all my patrons. You make this show happen, okay? Thank you so much. Uh, I don't know what I'd do. I, 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 this show wouldn't happen if it wasn't for you, the patrons. Whether you're the, the entry tier or the top tier, it's really meaningful to me, and I love doing it, and I love being of assistance. Let me know if you're a patron. Let me know how I can make it better. How can I make this service better for you? Um, I still have openings and availability at my top tier. If you're interested in me working with you in a really kind of hands-on way, helping you with nutrition and training, check out my Patreon. Link is in the show notes below. Thank you to Bet Online, as always. They've been my sponsor to this day from the very beginning. Thank you, Bet Online the best place for all your sports information and sports betting needs, betonline.ag. And thank you to First Detachment. It's the first time I've ever felt compelled to attach myself to a nutritional supplement company because they are the best. If you are looking for ways to help yourself train more frequently and see better results, field rations is a great idea. Some peri-workout nutrition with highly branched cyclic dextrin good carbs, getting in your system, helping to recuperate your glycogen stores, essential amino acids flowing right into your bloodstream, helping with protein synthesis. It's a great idea. It encourages recovery and it can help you get to where you want to be. There's a myriad of other supplements there that absolutely can help take you to the next level. There is show note, uh, link in the show notes below. Thank you so much to First Detachment. And in this crazy mixed up world that makes you think that nobody cares, remember, I do. Be good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E 
AV on YouTube.